0: And we are live in Missouri, different parts of Missouri, but yes. Um, I'm Thomas.
1: I'm Shane. Steven.
0: And uh, th- today he, today he uh, actually did. He's a gamer, more of a gamer than I am. But um, so uh, naturally, one of the things that uh, he brought up was um, um, the mantle mantle that AMD's you know been working on and I've been looking at you know some specific things from Microsoft cuz both companies they have something in common they both have kind of uh taken a beating over the years in one way or another AMD um their their stock prices I think last time I looked was under 2 bucks a share uh okay. they Still two bucks. I think it's actually getting close to like a dollar seventy-five. $1. <laughs> $1. Yeah, they, they've been taking a pounding in the stock market. $1. It's exactly a dollar right now. A dollar and eighty cents. 80. Dollar Oh wow. It went up by one point one percent
1: today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god. Um, in my opinion, their graphics division is the only thing basically saving them right now. <laughs> oh, wow. But Microsoft, their stock price is significantly higher, but that doesn't tell the full story. They've they've gotten a lot of flack over Windows 8. Even with the updated 8.1, it just... There was too much stubbornness for radical change and that kind of upset quite a few people.
1: Yeah, it did. Um, I myself had my own little bouts with Windows 8. Now, personally, I I know I've talked about this before in the podcast. I had a tablet that was running it.
0: I i got
1: it. I think I've got it sitting in here somewhere, I don't remember. But uh everyone knows Windows eight point one and on a tablet it works perfectly. No no issues. Now I couldn't use that thing for programming. I had such a hard time, like running, uh, especially if I wanted to run a virtual virtual device for like Android programming. It's a pain, in the butt. just not quite enough RAM. The processor could handle it, just not enough RAM. Um, but Windows Eight, like for like a desktop or something like that, it was just so clunky. The way they made it, it the their design philosophy behind Windows Eight is pretty much the same exact thing. That is dry, the driving force of Windows 10. And uh, those of you who don't know, I'm pretty sure you know Thomas. But uh, Windows 10 is basically supposed to be device agnostic, so to speak. Yeah. The same code running on any platform. The same kind of thing that Canonical's been pushing with Ubuntu for the longest time. And if anything, they they've kind of they were kind of starting that way before Windows has, but Windows has done or Microsoft, sorry. Microsoft has kind of uh, beat them to the punch at getting it out there to the public because Windows 10 is going to be available in eight days.
0: Yeah, and I've, I've already reserved my um, upgrade. Behind me, this thing is running seven. It's dual booting between that and Ubuntu uh, Mate Edition. There, and it's, it's um, based upon the long-term service release for Ubuntu and and i've been experimenting with office on here as well office 2013 just to see what it would be like and i've the interface on that and the interface on say my phone and my tablet you know they all have a form of familiarity to it and i noticed that they were kind of serious about the whole it doesn't matter what you run our stuff on you're going to have some familiarity with all of it um, even even the OS 10, Office 2016 for Mac you look at some of the screenshots for that you compare it to say latest Office for like the desktop um, there's going to be a lot of graphic similarities to all of that and I've I've noticed they are trying hard with their convergence strategy and looking beyond Windows 2. It was kind of interesting.
1: How would you say your experience was with uh uh 365?
0: Uh so far, um it's interesting. Um when you get a 365 subscription, what happens is, like, I, I made this mistake and got, like, the personal edition, which, okay, it's only, like, seven bucks a month. So I'm like, okay, that's all right. I was, I should have gone for the home, which would allowed me to install it up to five devices and five mobile devices, you know, five desktops and five, oh well. Um, because, apparently you can't just seamlessly upgrade your subscription. Um, you have to cancel it and then add a new subscription. I'm like, well, I've got a free trial, so I might as well give it a shot. And the mobile editions of office, which is now, you know, not just for your tablets anymore, there are smaller screens, but you know, it can be installed on things like this. A lot of your basic editing that you're used to is pretty much free. Um, you know there's just a few extras that they throw in there like custom headers and footers for each and every page um individualized colors for table cells or something like that um that's that's the enhanced features you get when you when you have an actual subscription so mobile devices basic free editing and integration with dropbox and all of that and, and I thought that was an interesting gamble on their part. Then again, there's free products for iOS and Android as well. So might as well go for broke and see if you can't convince people to, hey, if you want the full experience on the desktop and you want some added features on your phone, well, and some extra space on OneDrive, why not? Why not, you know, have a subscription as well? So, it's not a bad
1: marketing strategy from from Microsoft's perspective because it's been, it's, it's the same kind of strategy that a lot of like uh, cloud storage is going. Um, a lot of other companies. Adobe's also got their Creative Cloud, which you can do basically uh, a subscription monthly for one individual service, which I think for each one of them, I don't think the prices are different, but I think it's like 30, $25 to $30 a month for one service, and then you can get Adobe's Creative Cloud, which covers a good chunk of almost all their services, if not all, for like 50 or $60 a month. And then you know, Office 365, it's like $8 a month for um, what edition are you using?
0: I'm using personal, which is about sixty ninety nine a month. I can install it on one computer, one tablet, and one one mobile phone, which obviously I did um, If I would have gone with home, it would have let me put it on five computers and five tablets or phones, five mobile devices, basically so so that that would have been an interesting adventure in in and of itself but with seven with 10 coming out i figured well i might as well take a look at this stuff now to see what free and open source competition is and right now it looks like they're they've had to change their game up cuz like with work, with Office alone on the desktop, you can actually have like the individualized theme. They have themes too, so it's so you can have kind of a custom, sort of a custom feel to it. But that's
1: that's something man, that I don't think they've introduced into Office before, which I think would be fairly nice. That was that was something that set Firefox apart from like Internet Explorer before chrome was a thing and i I don't think opera had anything but netscape might have but i know with firefox you can have different themes and change the way the look and feel of how how uh, how it looks and how it feels to you
0: right and that's and that's an important thing to you know keep in mind like like, you know, LibreOffice lets you change the icons, icon set on the toolbar and everything else, but, but not quite. You know, the only thing you can change other than that is whether there is GTK support, so it takes on more of the look and feel of, say, GNOME, or the necessary stuff for KDE support. So that KDE's theming is used instead, although I think they've kind of changed that in the past to where it's just kind of more agnostic. Um, but yeah, um, they skipped nine and are going straight to ten.
1: I think part of that part of that is due to the fact that. Since there was so much backlash with Windows 8, and Windows 8.1, I mean, they tried to save themselves with Windows 8.1, the intermediary update that they decided to push out. I mean, so many users were upset about uh, from Windows 7 to Windows 8. You don't have a start screen or start menu anymore; you have a start screen. So, and then automatically by default, it would blow up the entire screen filled up and you didn't have your things like control panel, I mean they were there, you just you had to dig to get a, a control panel, your device manager, all those standard uh, administrator uh, programs that you can use to modify or change or do whatever you need to to your system if, if something happened or if you needed to just go in and add a user or something like that. Some of that functionality is almost like taken away from the user. If not, made it absolutely ridiculous to try to do it. And with it, with 8.1, they gave you the option to boot straight to the desktop, which was nice. And also, if you right-click on the uh, Windows icon, which there wasn't a Windows icon in plain Windows 8, which could be very confusing, for especially for people going from 7 to 8 or any other version of Windows to 8 and throw you off. It took me a second it used to used it, really, when I was testing it when it came out for uh, Uh, developer preview. But uh, I think that mostly that would be due to the fact that so many people just got upset about the fact that Windows 8 was an atrocious uh, point uh, point of attack, I should say, because it was poorly implemented.
0: You well, know, and and I I I saw the whole mobile strategy with the tiles and things like that, and I like I like the idea. It looked nice, except you know there was and it's like well, as long as there's this whole legacy thing that they can go back fall back on because you know a lot of enterprises are going to need that, and all of a sudden, uh, nope. And so you had to have special custom hacks to add a start button which made it even more confusing when a start button of sorts was added back only to go back to the start screen when you hit it. Though you mentioned the right-clicking on it, which will pop up certain options, but it's still not
1: quite as intuitive as being able to load up a start screen or start menu and then select the option on the menu, which is what has been... A thing since Windows ninety five. Yeah, well, now twenty years ago.
0: It's like, <clears throat> excuse me. And one one of the things I did look at, notice that is, um, like there there there's been. I know there's been some positive ravings about ten. I've looked at some, you know, a screenshot of like the start menu per se and 10 going, okay, it's similar tiled stuff, but it's not blowing up your entire screen. You'll at least be able to find stuff a little bit more readily. But there was also the thing about the updates, home users, um, you will absolutely have to take any and all security updates, any and app updates, um, doesn't matter. You have no choice in the matter. If you're running Professional Edition, which I'm going to be doing because Windows 7 Pro is on this thing, um, I'll have a little bit more leeway. I can be on there, you know, uh, I can be on different tracks—a slower track or a quicker one—regarding updates. Which, you know, being in the land that I've been in, any updates that come out, I just go ahead and install them. I don't care. Um, in a large enterprise. They'll have the most choice because, understandably, so some security updates may actually break certain functionality that their entire network may have. So they'll have the most choice out of all of them. But there's a time, there's going to be time windows involved in everything else. So you have so long to decide, but you better do it, or it's going to screw up other updates.
1: And also, if I'm not mistaken, Concerning the updates, in like an operating system such as Windows 7, and regardless of what version, and then I think this was also in Windows 8. You could choose how the updates were installed. Like you could either have it prompt you and say, "Hey, would you like to install these updates?" and then you click OK, continue, or you have it them downloaded automatically, which was something set by default in Windows 8. And now, if I'm not mistaken, in Windows 10, you don't have as many of those options as you originally did with 7 and 8.
0: Yeah, it's home users get the least choice, like the Home Edition. I think some of that back with
1: professional, just like what you were saying earlier, with being able to choose the the time frame of when the updates come out and stuff like that.
0: And, and as an individual user, I'm not going to care. It's um, I don't do anything serious on this machine anyway, when it is uh, running seven, I mainly pop open WWE network and watch it when, when a major, when a pay-per-view event pops on. So um, that's my main use of that. And once WWE gets their um, heads out of their hindquarters and decides to let let their service work with um, Pepper Flash, the version of the addition of Flash that runs off of Pepper API for Google Chrome, then I will probably switch back to letting you know letting it, it run through Ubuntu. Um, I can't run it through. I can't run it through Chrome because it will not work. Um, it uses They use the same technology that MLB does for streaming for baseball games. But from what I've read, their stuff works better cross-platform than WWE's does. So somebody screwed up the coding somewhere on their end.
1: Either that or it's just lazy administrators not wanting to support multiple...
0: Platforms and and the bad part is all they have to do is just support a uh, Pepper API. That's it. We're
1: um, using open platforms such as HTML5, which is very very simple to use. Very very simple to use. Cause uh, little issues.
0: And and with the whole uh, adoption of the whole uh, protected media standard uh, by the W3C and Adobe having. Adobe offers a product to, you know, basically protect media through HTML5. So there's no reason they couldn't implement that. It's just, for some reason, they don't.
1: Um, probably a combination of laziness and or um, ignorance of the availability or of use of specific platforms.
0: Yeah, because like, like Chrome... Chrome on Windows, you can get it to work, but you have to disable um, the Flash player that uses Google's API. But the bad news is you're opening your machine up for a drive-by-attack potentially by doing that. Um, It's sandboxed so that, in theory, you're limiting the amount of attack vectors on your machine. But um, hopefully, one day they'll be able to figure it out because, um, because of the whole um, you know fiasco regarding the whole "quote unquote" hacking team discovering that hey, there was a hole in Adobe's Flash in the first place. Adobe had to provide an update for the old school NPAPI based Flash player. To basically avoid APR fiasco. Um, It didn't offer anything new. It's just a security update to prevent a drive-by attack. Um, And Mozilla decided to block Flash until they had that resolved. And they they quickly decided to resolve it, um, which is good. But uh, in fact, I think today there was a software update that popped up on this machine that were that I initiated this hangout session on. And sure enough, <laughs> one of the updates was flash player. And I'm like, Oh my, <laughs> oh, oh my, I, I thought it was past their, uh, past their uh, support period, but Oh, well, um <laughs> Uh, I, I guess if if something major like that has happened, well, then you might as well save yourself some face, right? I mean, it could be wrong. I don't know if it's this year, twenty seventeen, that they're they've, they're no longer doing security update support. Um, but we'll see. Um, but. I agree that flash needs to die. Unfortunately, too many sites rely upon it still. So that's not going to go away.
1: Between sites. And then there's also, uh, companies that rely on like training. I, I remember when I worked at Walmart, I mean, yeah, it wasn't that long ago, but when I worked at Walmart and even some of the, like the training videos that I had to do when I started my job at shelter insurance, um, The same underlying program that does a lot of that is is all using either Adobe Captivate or Flash, and if it's running Adobe Captivate, it's using Flash. So a lot of a lot of companies do that because, from my experience, I've done actually a little bit of Flash coding and Flash uh, animation. It's really easy, (laughs) so it's good for lazy people.
0: (laughs) And and, I can see that too, um, but the good news is there's new technology on the horizon to hopefully, you know, have, hopefully it develops enough to where it replaces that. Um, speaking of new technology, like, and I'm sure we're, we're going to get to AMD in a moment, but um, with Windows 10, um, there's going to come DirectX 12, which is, it's, there. It's going to be for ten Xbox One as well, and there's going to be like features and, and such for developers. Um, that, from the looks of it, developers gamers may very well like it. Um, multiple GPU usage, um, and that can include multiple manufacturers, types of cards, integrated graphics. And it's called multi-adapter. Um, you, you said there's two types, explicit and implicit.
1: And um, the, I've got the article there for us in the show notes, and we can probably share that with the viewers as well. I thought the article did a very good job in explaining um, what that was. And I didn't know about the uh, multi-adapter feature in DirectX 12 until I read this article. Basically, what that is is like like Thomas said earlier. Is there's two different types. There's implicit and explicit. Implicit is basically like what has been in use previously up until now. So like you have you have a system, and if you have multiple graphics cards in it, uh, mm-hmm. usually when you have something like that, you have two AMD cards or two NVIDIA cards. There you go, Thomas. Yeah, for those of us who are for those of you guys that are watching the YouTube video. We've got
0: two very, very, very similar cards. Are those um, two Quadros? Um, they are two Quadro effectses. They are slightly different variations, though. When I look closely at them, so I'm like, I'm not so sure I can quite do SLI on them. Um, it's doesn't look like I may be able to, but <coughs> individual as individual cards, they'd probably work very well in. Respective workstations. I just don't have anything to test them in right now, so <laughs> I, I just I don't know if they still work. They might. I. I don't know. It, it depends on the
1: uh, life of the capacitors and the PCB and everything else that's attached to it. Usually, the GPU doesn't die for a long time. It's everything else on the board that dies out. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, you got SLI and Crossfire, which were uh, up until now the primary ways of using multiple graphics cards. And when it comes to NVIDIA, they're the ones that use SLI. AMD is the one that has Crossfire. Uh, SLI is very, very strict, and it can only use GPUs of the same exact type. They used to have some, like, hybrid SLI uh, previously using some of their old-school integrated graphics with some of their mid- to low-range dedicated graphics. And AMD has a very similar feature which they still use. That is called Crossfire X instead of just Crossfire. <clears throat> and you can still do Crossfire X with certain cards. Like in, in my gaming rig, which I'm actually using right now, I've got an AMD R9 290 video card. I could go out and buy a 290X right now, which is the bigger brother of the 290, throw it in my case, and then run it in Crossfire X and it will work theoretically perfectly. <laughs> Sometimes there's driver issues. But this multi-adapter, the implicit is very similar in how it works to the way S-Line Crossfire does. Now, the other feature, the explicit multi-adapter allows DirectX 12 to harness the power of the integrated graphics or the dedicated graphics in your system. And that can be across multiple different manufacturers. So say you have you got an NVIDIA Titan X and an NVIDIA GTX Titan X or a GTX 980 Ti, which are their two highest-end video cards out there right now. And you got both of them in the system. You can use them both. You don't have to worry about the SLI issues. You don't have to worry about that. Or you can go out and get uh, an NVIDIA Titan Z, which is like a dual GPU chip. It's got two GPUs on one PCB. And then go and also get AMD Radeon R9-295-X2, sorry, that was a mouthful. It's a it's a dual GPU chip, which is actually water-cooled. And you can run them both together. Both have each uh, driver installed, and then DirectX 12 will be able to harness the power of both of them. Now, something I mentioned to Thomas earlier, which this article points out, Yes, it can take advantage of the integrated graphics in your system. For example, if you've got an Intel processor, almost all of Intel processors now have integrated graphics, unless you've got a really high-end system within the Intel X99, X79, or X58 platforms. Uh, most likely you've got integrated graphics. DirectX 12 will allow like developers to take advantage of the integrated graphics along with the dedicated graphics, but uh, due to the limitations of like the hardware itself, um, depending on the situation, the integrated graphics may not be able to actually help as much. It'll depend on how the developers actually implement this feature. But most likely, you can. U- they might be able to use both of those uh, pieces of hardware in tandem. But I just just like with SLI or CrossFire, it's going to default to the fastest. Uh, piece piece of hardware. So, like, if you got like, like I was explaining earlier, you got a two hundred and ninety X and a two hundred and ninety in your system, an MDR nine, and the two hundred and ninety X is also obviously the faster one because it's the bigger brother. It's uh, if you have a game that isn't able to use both cards very well, or even if it is using both cards, if the second card isn't keeping up with the first card, which is the fastest, it's going to default to that and always use that one instead of the uh, instead of both of them. So I'm assuming it's probably going to work similar to that, but at the same time, allow developers to take advantage of that integrated GPU, allow the dedicated GPU to do more of the heavy rendering, things that require uh, larger textures, much more, uh, much more uh, VRAM, um, or increased uh, load distance, and then the integrated GPU could do things like uh, uh, smaller textures, simple animations, and stuff like that. It wouldn't be able to... I don't think it would be able to handle, like, ray tracing and lighting and shadows and certain things like that. That's also another thing that would have to go on the uh, dedicated GPU because it takes a lot more graphics horsepower to actually run stuff like that.
0: So, like... like um, um, you, you you talk, you talk, talk about, about Radeon Fury, Fury, Fury X and R9 Fury. Fury, 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 Fury. Fury. Uh, both cards, according to notes, are similar. Um, Fury X came first, um, but the Fury's cut down version of X, and I I saw pictures. The, one of the pictures of it, um, their, their cards are kind of getting smaller too. That's another strategy they're trying is, um, you know, they're, they're no longer trying to outpace NVIDIA performance wise. They're trying to kind of go back to the roots of giving you the best value for your dollar in the sense.
1: Yeah, I can, I can agree with that to a point. And yes and no on that. Um, the 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 biggest thing that allowed AMD to shrink the card to that small size. Um, if you guys want to look out look out there somewhere, you could just all you have to do is do like a simple Google search and search for the uh, Fury X compared to like the GTX two, uh, 980 Ti and the 980 Ti PCB is PCBs like oh that long and then the R9 is like that long and uh, the Technology that allowed AMD to do that is a new memory technology, which is something that they've been working on for, if I'm not mistaken, seven years. Currently up until now, graphics cards, highest-end graphics cards have used uh, GDDR5, which is a very, very fast memory technology, allowing up to, uh, let me see, roughly 384 gigabytes per second of Bandwidth, which is faster than your main system memory. And the reason why it's so fast is because it's got to offload textures from the graphics processing unit to the CPU, from the hard drive, and everything else. And it's also got to store all that in memory, go back and forth, and manipulate that, do transformations. A lot of 3D math, uh, physics, physics processing, and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> This new memory technology is called HBM, high-bandwidth memory, which instead of being another feature about it, which I didn't put in the show notes, I'll talk about it right now, but uh, the reason why the card so small is because instead of having, originally, if you look at that image that I showed you earlier, Tom, so you can see the GPU On both of those cards, and on the top one for the uh, GTX 980 Ti, you'll see like a bunch of the chips kind of going around where the socket of the GPU is actually at. That's all your GTD R5 V ring. On the R9 Fury, all of that has been actually integrated into the GPU. So the GPU itself is actually very, very large, the actual chip. All the memory is right there next to it. And what that allows is that. Being next to the GPU that reduces the actual power consumption of the, the graphics unit, that increases the speed at which it can communicate between the GPU and the memory, and high-bandwidth memory is actually like much, much, much faster than GDDR5 anyway. So that that's increasing the um, what AMD calls its its power per uh, performance per watt of the actual GPU. And it's, it's absolutely ridiculous what they've able to been able to accomplish with this car. And by default, out of the factory comes liquid-cooled. And um, any of the um, aftermarket manufacturers that usually take, modify the GPUs, rip off the uh, reference, what they call reference cooler, and replace it with their own, like Asus has their own. MSI is another company that does it. Uh, HIS, uh, XFX, There's there's a bunch of companies out there that actually – do this, and then put on their own proprietary cooler, which usually is a lot better performance than reference. Mm-hmm. For in, Nvidia and AMD, AMD's liquid cooling is actually pretty ridiculous though. This card was able to like at its load for certain things not go p- uh, past like 50, 55 degrees Celsius, which is really, really, really cool for a, a graphics card. Mine can go up to about 60, but I always force the fan to get a kick up pretty high
0: because so. <laughs> I, I I remember having uh, um, um, an APU, and you know I noticed yeah. it, it performed pretty well. Um, I wouldn't use it for heavy gaming, um, but I've I would read how those would outperform Intel integrated graphics on certain functions too, and and I. I'm taking it. They're kind of applying what they were able to learn with R and D on that to their new cards too, and consume less power while offering, you know, desktop level performance. That that's that's where I think they're going to make their comeback, uh, their graphics division. But
1: well, that that's one thing that I, th-
0: I think we might see in the near future is for
1: those of you that know uh, or have been keeping up with the podcast, approximately, I think, a year ago, we did an episode where we compared the hardware of the Wii U, the Xbox One, the PS4, and then I think we threw in some of the other older platforms just for comparison's sake. But both of the, both the Xbox One and the PS4 use a custom AMD uh, SOC or uh, system on a chip which incorporates eight gigabytes of GDDR5 on a custom board with one of their APUs. <clears throat> there are some differences between the two, but for the most part, they both have an eight-core processor, and then the GPU is different between the two. The Xbox. the Xbox's processor has some like embedded uh, DRAM, which helps increase the performance of the processor itself over the PS4, but the PS4's graphics unit is much more powerful. Um, in a nutshell, that's basically what it is. What I'm hoping that we can see is something similar to that, but they take that uh, approach and apply it to their APUs for desktop, laptop, tablets, uh, all platforms, and then incorporate their new memory technology, which they've developed HBM, into that. Because one of the features I was trying to get at earlier was along with being able to incorporate all of that stuff into a smaller package. What allowed them to do that is they're able to, instead of having the uh, video uh, video RAM chips stacked around the GPU, they're now on the GPU and stacked on top of each other. It's uh, called stack DRAM. Each HBM is more an implementation of stack DRAM. So originally, you would have like one chip. Here's your PCB, and then you got your um, what they call an in- interposer that allows it to... Uh, would you guys quit? <laughs> which would allow the, the different pieces of hardware to communicate with each other. The video ramp to communicate with the processor. It's just basically wires going back and forth, which are all embedded into the PCB. You can always see that like in pictures and stuff like that. Or if you look at a motherboard, you see all the lines on it and stuff. The stuff that's straight up and down and angled and, that's all the wires that are going back and forth to communicate, transferring data and power and whatnot. Um, but the stack DRAM, now the wires can theoretically kind of run up through it. And it's like four. Uh, in the case of the R9, Purity, it's up to four stacks high, each being one gigabit, uh, gigabyte or gigabit, I think it was. <clears throat> and they have four separate stacks, so basically it it's limited right now at four gigabytes. But in the, with uh, if they pursue this farther, in which they are, they're putting a lot of R and D into this technology. They'll be able to do a double double the amount of RAM, uh, video RAM on a graphics chip, which will help some of the hindering performance problems that this card actually has, which is what kept it behind the the Titan
0: the Titan and the Nvidia GTX 980 Ti. So I'm I'm um I don't have anything with only thing I have that has uh basically AMD graphics is that uh one computer that you pretty much gave away. Um it's not running at the moment. Um, sure. I have so most
1: Yeah.
0: I I mostly have Intel. Oh, and oh, and the uh, the the one uh, portable system that was given to me. Those are two systems that, well, technically have AMD products. Of course, they were known as ATI products back in the day before they got bought out. But um, most of the systems that I run now are Intel based. Nvidia for graphics and i'm looking to get back into looking at in amd based systems to see you know performance how it's improved how it could be better because i i missed that i missed that amd based tower i had that had 8 gigs of ram in it that felt pretty good but unforeseen circumstances caused me to have to part with it although it's getting plenty of use now um but uh, I am definitely looking forward to it. Um, mantle and Vulcan it looks also looks to be very, very interesting. Um, Directx is more hardware agnostic to a point, but mantle basically touches your hardware directly specifically AMDs. It kind of reminds me of Glide from 3DFX back in the day. Yeah, in a sense,
1: yeah, basically in a nutshell, what you said is true. Um, DirectX 12, and previously with DirectX, it was more of a high-level API. And uh, for those of you who don't know the difference between like a high-level API and a low-level API, a high-level API is a lot like uh, Java. Java is a high-level programming language, which is able to run on many, many, many platforms. So it's platform agnostic. It's hardware agnostic. It doesn't have to worry about, oh, you've got an AMD processor and an Intel processor, or you've got an ARM-based processor. It doesn't care. <laughs> It'll run on anything. What it is is there's a specific platform or uh, package that's built for each different type of hardware, and then uh, things get translated to work on that specific piece of hardware. Um, in the case of DirectX 12, which is much more similar to a lower-level API, but still is a higher-level API than in the case of Mantle. Mantle is very, very low-level and is AMD-specific. What it what it does is basically allows developers to harness specific, like system calls or different um, functions that are available in AMD GPUs to increase the performance of a game. If the developers decide to take the advantage of using Mantle over just regular DirectX 11. Which, by doing that, you can increase the performance of the game. It depends on the implementation. But uh, for some things, like if uh, if you go out there and look at some of the benchmarks for like uh, Battlefield 4, which is a game that uses a thief, um... There's like six games that they list on their site. I can't remember the rest of them, but they do take advantage of mantle, and you do see some fairly good performance benefits.
0: Well, what about Vulcan? Uh, Vulcan? Did you
1: two quit? Vulcan, I thought originally was just an extension of Mantle, which basically it is. Um, an article which I just read just earlier today, actually, is basically what is supposed to be OpenGL's successor. And for those of you that don't know what OpenGL is, it's basically the open source version out of DirectX. It is the uh, Open Graphics Library is what it's called. So it's a, a graphics API that allows developers to access gaming hardware, your graphics hardware, to render a game, or do any 3D-based processing. So you do if you want to do like some map generation or world generation or stuff like that, you're probably going to end up using the GPU. Vulkan is supposed to be a successor to OpenGL, but it's something that AMD is pushing based on what they've learned with Mantle. Mantle is now pretty much a dead dead in the water, Um, AMD's kind of abandoned it in favor of Vulkan. So they're taking what they learned with Mantle and applying it to Vulkan and taking what they use from OpenGL. And when it comes to comparing OpenGL and DirectX, you, you can do it, but you can't do it. OpenGL is available on any open source platform. So if you're running Linux, if you're running a Linux desktop and you're running a full uh, GUI or a graphical user interface, you're going to be right. You can have the option to use OpenGL to do 3D uh, compositing, kind of similar to with Windows when you have uh, Windows Arrow, which allows you to like do a lot of these hover effects. Like on your taskbar, it'll bring up kind of like an image of what your window looks like, what's going on in that program, stuff like that. Same things like when, when when it gets minimized, it kind of like shrinks and slowly goes down to the taskbar. A lot right. of those same effects, that's all 3D-based processing. OpenGL does all that for Linux. And if you have an Android phone or an iPhone, either one, they both use OpenGL. The only one that doesn't is a Windows phone because Microsoft's unique and they've got to be unique. So. And uh, a lot of there's some...
0: Something- these uh with their games they use OpenGLES. Um Raspberry Pi uh also takes advantage of OpenGLES, which which doesn't interact at all with the X window manager for a lot of GUI interfaces. Um, but um OpenGL ES can be found on you know this Android smartphone, for example. For for your games and such, and it's it's kind of like a light light edition of OpenGL without. And I think they a lot of people go, have gone with that to avoid patent issues too. A combination of
1: patenting and then uh, OpenGL ES, the actual ES stands for Embedded Subset, so you don't get all of the full the fully featured stuff that you get with full OpenGL, but you get some of the still you have some of those capabilities that OpenGL offers. And with newer versions of Android phones, some of the hardware is actually capable to, capable them to run full OpenGL rather than just OpenGL ES. Originally for the longest time for uh, probably just a few years ago, Android phones and most mobile phones were limited at OpenGL ES 2.0, which is the same thing that the original Raspberry Pi is limited at. I don't know what the Raspberry Pi 2.0 is limited at. I think it's the same. But my phone uses OpenGL ES 3.0 instead of 2.0. And some phones now even use full OpenGL 3.0 because the hardware is just much more capable than it used to be.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And with Vulkan, they're, they're pushing it AMD is pushing Vulcan. How successful have they been? It's honestly, I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's something that's come out in the last uh, few months or so. Mantle was something that they really, really pushed hard last year and the year before ever since they released their 7,000 series Radeon graphics cards. Uh, They went from the 7,000 series to the, Uh, first R9 series, the R9 uh, 200s. So um, I've seen some articles saying that it's not going to go anywhere. uh, This article, which I've shared in the show notes, and the one that I'm using for a source at the moment, seems kind of like it's going to or they portray it as a successor for OpenGL. And if that's the case, then if that gets adopted by Developers and other um, platforms, it's going to it's going to go much farther than uh, DirectX will because DirectX is just limited by uh, Windows. So,
0: and right now, right now, it's just it's just it looks like you know both companies are poised to try to make a comeback in different ways. AMD sticking to its strategy of making their graphics even better. Yeah, and trying to update their processors too to perform even better, while Microsoft's trying to make more money off their cloud-based services, because 10 is going to be kind of tied to their cloud, tied to the cloud too. If I'm not mistaken, um, they're going to be pushing that too a lot, and and their software as a service, because. With with my subs- with the subscription that I'm still in trial mode on, I get I get access to you know the usual suspects Word, Excel, PowerPoint, but also Outlook, um, Publisher, and Access too, as well as OneNote. So um, it's going to prove to be pretty interesting down the road what they come up with next um, and their Edge browser allowing you to do more than just web pages, being able to highlight things, take notes with them and share them.
1: That'll be a nice feature and maybe it'll actually save uh, Microsoft's butt when it comes to having an actual web browser from now on because yes, it is something that's heavily used in uh, many businesses um, primarily because I don't know. <laughs> I can't come up with a reason why you would use Internet Explorer over other platforms, because there's other features that you can get. It's much... Uh, many other platforms are much faster. Chrome is a very, very fast one, except it's a memory hog. It does use more memory than uh, like uh, Internet Explorer does, but Firefox is right up there with how much RAM it uses. Personally, I think Chrome is faster than Firefox, but I don't know. It's now it's kind of more more or less a moot point, and it all comes down to personal preference. Either way, everything has always been able to beat beat IE out of the water because it's always been slow to adopt new technologies, slow to uh, transitions, and then it's always been prone to security problems.
0: And the unfortunate reality is, there are certain proprietary APIs out there um, that businesses rely upon. Uh, real in real estate, especially, I found this out a couple of years ago, a few years ago actually. That that you know, some businesses that do real estate—that's the one thing that keeps them from you know switching to another platform entirely. The stuff they use, you cannot spoof your way past it with. You know user agent switching or anything like that, it has to be actual internet explorer running period or the stuff they use will not work um so it's you know whole lock in as well because um you know that you know support company that you know that you know helps that industry in terms of selling houses or renting them out or whatever was uh you know basically lazy and wanted to rely upon the you know path of least resistance at the time, which is understandable you're running a business after all and then boom you run into that problem so um, that that's that's why i e hasn't quite died yet because <laughs> of case scenarios like that um and 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 seriously, if you're on a local intranet anyway, with no access to the outside world, anyhow, they don't have as much to be worried about. Especially if it's if it's a bunch of thin clients on a wide area network. So um, so they so they have no reason to be worried anyway. But um, I like I like the feature of it. I like the idea of high- circling something in a web browser and being able to save it for later say hey this is this is something to look at if you're comparing stuff while you're shopping around online or 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 wanting to highlight something for research it's that's that's a cool thing that um all browsers should have as far as i'm concerned so i'm looking forward to the end of the month (laughs) I want, I want to see what this thing's going to look like. Will it upgrade smoothly? Um, will it destroy um, Will it destroy the bootloader? <laughs> and is yes, it easily fixed? Well, I don't know
1: what's going to happen. Like, with Windows 10, it requires you to have security. Um, with Windows 8, it was optional. You could disable security. But now with Windows 10, it's going to be locked. So I don't know how that's going to happen, especially with the fact that my desktop has uh, dual-booting Linux and Windows. Between them, programs and everything else I have installed, theoretically it shouldn't harm them, but there might be problems. Um, I'll find out on the 29th. It, it,
0: it should be more flexible since it's an existing machine that's getting upgraded, but a lot of newer machines that are being sold – yeah, that, that's definitely going to crop up <laughs> like, you know, cause I've read stories about, Oh, windows eight just destroyed my bootloader. <laughs> How do I get it back? Uh, I think there was a similar issue with Vista too. And, and there were workarounds for that. So, um, it's, it's going to get interesting. I'll see what happens. Um, all else fails i'll just resize the partition and and run virtual machines i don't care but (laughs) but but right now i i'm i'm just experimenting on this other system and i'm just i'm just waiting 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 for it to happen go okay boom it's here and just explore it and see okay how easy are my options to find or did they hide them even further I remember testing
1: uh, the Insider program for Windows 10 a while ago. I was actually trying to mess with it a little bit ago, but I guess I lost the uh, isolated image that I had. It's it's really nice. The user experience is so much better than Windows 8 was. You've got your start menu back. Um, You've got some newer features that that are in it. In terms of performance, I was running it in a virtual machine, so I won't find out really until I get it installed physically and upgraded on here from Windows 7. Then that will be the true testament whether or not the performance is better. I think it will be. I think they've been doing some performance enhancements. Between going from Windows 7 to Windows 8, there are some performance benefits. And then from Windows 8 to Windows 10, I'm assuming there's going to be also some performance benefits. I'm hoping to implement something similar to what um, Apple has done with their memory compression technology, which is something that used to be a thing way back in the day with older, older operating systems where you were very limited on how much RAM you had in a system. But now that we have such an availability for RAM, and uh, uh, between that and the amount of open programs that some people have, memory compression can really come in handy for uh, power saving, and also letting power users run even more applications than what they normally would be able to do. Like with my Mac, with the uh, memory compression technology that uh, Apple has put in under the hood for Mac OS X 10.10, 10. Uh, it allows me to run theoretically like almost 5 6 gigs of apps on only 4 gigs of RAM. So it's pretty, it's pretty insane.
0: Well, that, um, I think that just about wraps it up for this uh, episode. Um, that's uh, – I can't wait for the end of the month. We'll see what happens with it. Um, I wonder if Cortana will be available on this upgrade. It should because it's in, the, it's in the preview at the moment.
1: You can use Cortana. I don't remember having any issues using it.
0: And that's and integration with their Bing search engine um, looks looks like uh, their cloud strategy and their Azure platform is making them some money. So maybe they'll become more platform agnostic and make more, available more of their stuff on other platforms besides OS X, So Well, let's
1: hope so
0: uh rumor has rumor has it that they've been running internal versions of office that run on linux based platforms, but that wouldn't surprise me, so sort of like how apple had o s ten running on the Intel platform for years and years before they publicly unveiled it uh, they had to get it right so that it didn't completely up, Chuck, on a different architecture, I guess. But um, anyway, uh, next week, hopefully we'll have something very, very awesome for you as well. This one was a pretty, pretty awesome topic, um, and I'm going to have to see about getting an AMD-based machine again soon.
1: You should get one of the new views. Those things are pretty wicked when it comes to actual performance. It has – the the, th- the tag that they've been toting on with their APUs is that it has discrete-level performance in an in integrated system, and it, it's an appropriate tag. So. And uh, in the,
0: in the <clears throat> local place where I work, I've, I've seen a Dell for 499 that has a pretty decent-looking um, – AMD APU in it, which has, you know, very decent GPU instead of that. So, I'm eyeing it, waiting to see if the price on that is just going to go down a little bit further.
1: 490 I, see, I would wait and see if you can get a hold of an AMD uh, A10-based system. The A10 is, for the money, has so much better performance. Yeah, you will spend a little bit more. Uh, if you can get a desktop, since I know you have multiple monitors already, if you can get a hold of a desktop online or something and have it shipped to your place, you can get a desktop system with one of those A10 APUs in it, the 7700K or the 7800K or the 7850 or 70K. Any one of those on the very platform have just so much performance packed into it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And they're not expensive at all. They're really not. You can get one of those desktop systems for like six, $700 probably. I think so. Yeah, you are paying like compared to that Dell, you're paying another $150, but it's so much worth it. It's way worth it in my opinion. Because that Dell, I think the Dell you're talking about has an A6 in it, if I'm not mistaken. And it's lower power, so you're not going to get near as much performance as you would out of like an A8 or an
0: A10. All right. I'll take a look then. Um, it, it would be the most RAM in a system that I've had in a long time. Cause, Cause this system has four gigabytes of RAM. This other system behind me has the same amount. <laughs> so that'll, um, I'm, I'm at some point wanting to get something that has the most amount of RAM I've ever had in a long time. It, and when that happens, it'll be the best feeling ever. Um, but that's, that's going to be a ways down the road before I get to that point. So I'm shopping around now, and then when a really good thing pops up, I'll probably pounce on it. So holiday season is just going to get interesting. I'll put it to you that way. So next week, um, don't know what. We'll come up with yet, but something tells me it'll be pretty interesting, like this one and the last one. Feed is technically updated, but uh, due to a snafu on too many characters for long description, I'm going to have to re-edit it. So you can play it now, but it's that's why the description's still kind of blank. But um, I'm going to update it right after this, so... Um, entertain yourself educate yourself and empower yourself uh tune in next week and see you next time
1: see you guys later